Welcome back, back to another, to another edition media panel. of the Daily Interlake Sports Now. Big Sky Now is Fritz Neighbor of the Daily Interlake in Northwest Montana and Mark Nelke of the CDA Press in Idaho. Let's get this thing started. We'll get going with our performance of the week coming off of another exciting weekend of Big Sky play. Had a top five matchup with Sac State, Montana State, some other great games. So, Mark, why don't we get started with you, your performance of the week, and then we'll just kind of roll through this thing. Yeah, obviously, you know, Montana State, that was a big win down at Sac State. Kind of the un below the radar one might have been Idaho State going to Portland State or going to Hillsboro and, and beating Portland State. That was a big win, too. So a lot of good stuff last week. Yeah. How about yourself, Fritz? Well, yeah, I kind of uh, kind of expected the Bobcats to, uh, to wear the Hornets down, which is what happened. They got really... Mm -hmm warm on offense and started scoring every time they had the ball. Tommy Malott made a big splash, seems to be 100%. But I was uh, probably even more impressed with what Idaho State was able to do. It's been a month of Sunday since they've been 3-1 in the big sky, and that's where they're at. The one loss is at Montana. And I remember thinking at the time, man, I like that offense, and uh, they're getting it done. And, you know, Portland State was coming off a pretty encouraging win, at least I thought for them, beating NEU like they did. And then uh, Idaho State just took it to them. And so kind of a toss up there. I'm kind of welching, I guess. Sorry about that. But uh, I think I, I think I might go with uh, Idaho State just because I thought Montana State was going to get those Hornets. Oh, I hear that. I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I was going to say shout out Tommy Mala, honorable mention, big game, big sky offense player of the week. Also a quick shout out, Sam Hewitt, Cal Poly, they got their first conference win. He had 333 yards passed and two TDs. But that being said, I got to go Idaho State and their quarterbacks in particular. Jordan Cook, Hunter Hayes, they had a big game. Hayes ran for 93 yards and a touchdown. Cook was 16 of 25 through the air and a touchdown, 259 yards passing, no turnover. So impressive stuff from their quarterback. You mentioned how impressive their offenses looked in that game versus the Grizz. They looked great, even though they lost. Just a, one of those old-school air raid offenses that knows how to move the football. So, no, that was my performance of the week. And you kind of mentioned it, but the Vikings were rolling. Portland State headed in the right direction. All of a sudden, now it feels like Idaho State took that momentum right away. So, great win for the Bengals. Um, did want to get your guys' reaction to that Montana State at Sac State game. Just any takeaways there? Why don't we start it with you, Fritz, and we'll uh, get to Mark. Well, Sac State's still good. And I think we'll, uh, we'll see just how good in a couple of weeks when they come up and play the Grizz. But, uh, you know, they're up 7 nothing. Um They got uh, a special teams turnover. Things are looking pretty good for them. They were up 7 nothing. Uh They threw a pick six, but then they still got ahead 14-7. to And then uh, the wheels kind of came off, or rather the Bobcats just found that gear, which they've been able to do all year. You know, uh, I guess maybe after we worked my MVP race, because uh, Sean Chambers was so good, but man, Malott looked like the real deal again. And Chambers kind of played the secondary role. Still got 60 yards on six carries. But Malott was just unreal. Just so quick, making good good decisions, quick decisions. And then nobody can catch him. So a couple of touchdowns running and another throwing, I think. And uh, yeah, just uh, pretty workmanlike for the Bobcats. I think they would rather have won by more than 12. But uh, Hornets are still good. And the Bobcats are still the real deal. Yeah, no, very impressive stuff for Montana State. After kind of a slow start, it felt like all of a sudden they just took the momentum and ran with it. But how about yourself, Mark, reaction to that top five battle, ESPN2, national televised game? That was a fun one. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, they were favored and they won and they were supposed to, but still impressive road win at a, at a really good team. And um, both quarterbacks, you know, Malat doing what he did and Chambers, you know, helping out too. It's, it's you, you know, usually they say if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks, but Montana State, that's a little different. They're, they're, that's dangerous. I mean, people look at, oh, Malat's out. We, you know, we, we got a sh shot at Montana State and, and, that isn't the case, and you know, I'm curious to see what you know what Idaho has in store for them this week. But you know, impressive road win. Give, give them the props. Yeah, no, impressive road win for sure. Like I said, top five battle. My biggest takeaway from that kind of was Sac State. Like Fritz said, still very good, talented, but I will say very raw talent. Felt like they have the talent on the edge. They had the speed, but they make a mistake, a turnover here and there, a couple bad penalties. So it just felt like they're a very raw team who, when they put it together, could they make a playoff run? Yeah, but right now maybe a little step back from the last couple of years when they've been a lot more polished under Troy Taylor. But as for Montana State, racked up 300 yards rushing once again. That's the fifth straight game, nearly unstoppable. And it really stood out to me just – you kind of mentioned Chambers and lot and that duo. It makes you really take into account how dynamic that offense is. It feels like every play has three to four options. A lot or Chambers can run it pass it they got a guy in motion jet sweep whatever it may be they're always keeping defensive defensive uh opponents guessing so just an impressive win and that play action attack was looking good they didn't throw the ball a ton but when they did had a lot of space to operate so just a impressive win we'll definitely get back to that vandals bobcats matchup in a little i did want to get your guys thoughts uh start with fritz here on the kind of just the big sky being featured back-to-back -back weekends on espn2 for the nightcap just what it means for the conference as a whole yeah, I think it's a it's a really cool deal, and uh, it's too bad they're not doing it again this week because the Cats are going to be in Moscow for another great game. I think I expect that to be an excellent game, and um, it's very cool. You know, the first weekend when Montana was over there, the Grizz were over there scoring their little upset. Um, I guess it's still an upset. Idaho keeps getting ranked ahead of them, um, or did they? No, or am I just thinking of what? Our guy from Stats Reform, Craig Ailey, he keeps ranking it. I don't know. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Anyway, um, that was the only game gone uh, that Saturday night. That was it. Uh, last weekend, there was a little bit of uh, competition, so they probably didn't get quite the ratings. But, man, just having the having basically a captive audience on ESPN2 and saying, here's a little Big Sky football after dark. Some really good players. Maybe you'll see the next Cooper Cup. Uh, that's who I compare Hayden Hatton to. He's a really good player. And, uh, you know, enjoy. I enjoyed it. No, it, it was awesome, no doubt about it. How about yourself, Mark? Just thoughts on what it means for the conference and the athletes, the coaches, just as a whole. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the Pac-12 becoming the Pac-2 next year, there's there's a, there's a chance for a window being there, whether, you know, ESPN is going to need some more programming, you know, Saturday night at 730 and maybe, you know, maybe – um, get a couple more big sky games on there. I don't think you want to force too many down that down people's throats, but the, I mean, there's, there's a few more matchups that would be good in prime time. I don't think we're going to get more than Colorado and Cal Poly or something like that on, on, on there, but there's a couple more. Um, I think that that's a chance for, you know, the big sky to kind of get his little window and get seen by a national audience. Yeah, definitely. Just great exposure overall for the conference and shines a light on just the high level of play, one of the premier FCS conferences. 
one of those things. If you love college football, it doesn't really matter what division, this and that. If it's a good game, you're going to watch it. It feels like when the product's right, like Fritz mentioned that Montana, Montana State-Idaho this week would have been a perfect matchup on primetime. You think of the brawl, the wild later this year. So, no, you got to love it. And I kind of thought earlier, a lot of the times football and business, they don't always mix sports and the big business. This one makes a lot of sense for everyone. So just a win for the conference. Like you said, maybe ESPN2 feels a little more programming, kind of a good move for everyone. So I got to love that. I did want to move along and ask you guys to kind of, uh, we're, you know, a little past the midway point in the season. And we got Weber State sitting at one in four in conference play. And then Idaho State's tied for second in conference play at three and one overall. So I did want to ask what's the bigger surprise there, kind of the slow start from Weber State and their struggles or Idaho State's hot start. In conference play, I should mention. Uh, if you want to get it going, Mark. Um, yeah, my answer would be yes. <laughs> I was looking at that thing. What, what's a bigger yeah. surprise? I mean, they're both, they're both almost equally surprising. And it's like, I mean, you know, Weber State having a down year, and I, you know, Idaho State having a really good year. It's kind of, it's kind of equal parts surprising. It's, it, it's nice for Idaho State because they've been down perennially and so to see them doing well is is good for them and good for good for the region anyway yeah no wrong answer on that one how about you Fritz I think I give the edge to Idaho State just because uh um they've been down so long first year coach um you know it's a surprise just because we were state as a first year coach but they were so good last four years and you know, they changed coaches their coach leaves for an assistance job at BYU and you think, well, they'll just move up somebody from in, within or they'll, they'll find somebody good and keep it going, and they haven't been able to keep it going. That's pretty surprising. But it's even more surprising when a first-year coach comes in to a place like Pocatello that just hasn't really had a real good, solid winning season since Larry Lewis and uh, and has uh, picked up three big sky wins. It's uh, impressive. More impressed and surprised by that. Yeah, no, well said. And I am leaning a little bit towards Weber State on this one. Just the fact, one in four in conference play after entering the season, number 13 and number 10 in the two respective polls. You picture a top 25 team at least picking, could be in 500 in conference play, and they just have looked flat. They haven't looked like themselves. You mentioned first-year coaches. Sometimes it's easy in sports, at least I've been guilty of it. Oh, maybe coaching doesn't matter as much, but just an evidence that, you know, sometimes a new face in the program can really do things like your Idaho State or – Kind of a change of scenery. Weber State, maybe things fall off a little. So coaching does matter. Jay Hill went off to BYU. He was a heck of a coach for Weber State. So worth mentioning that. But, yeah, just an overall surprise. Mark had it. Mark said it best. Yes to both because they're both definitely – I would. I don't think anybody would have seen either of these coming heading into the season. Weber State has a chance to, you know, drop a few more games and end up 2-6 and six in conference play overall. You don't expect that. So it's been interesting. I did want to move along. Speaking of coaches, good timing. Who's your guys' big – uh, Sky Coach of the Year so far. Still time for things to shake out, but Mark, we'll get your thoughts on if anybody's leading candidate or kind of a few names catching your eye. Yeah, I think it's got to be Cody Hawkins so far at Idaho State. You know, we've talked about that. Fritz has talked about that, and you have. But I mean, what he's done in Pocatello, with, but, you know, they don't win down there, and he's he's already winning down there, and we'll, we'll you know with an exciting brand of offense and stuff like that, and you know we'll see. They got a tough. Tough way to finish at Sac State, and then Weber at home, Davis at home, and then at Idaho. So it'd be, be interesting to see how that all plays out. I mean, they're still in the playoff hunt, too. That's something you haven't been able to say about Idaho State in a while. 
No, well said. How about yourself, Fritz? Well, I think Cody Hawkins has done the most impressive job, but sometimes that doesn't matter. I think I'm not really sure how it goes every year, but it seems like it goes to the victor go the spoils. So, you know, Brent Vegan's done a heck of a job. I think he had to replace a O-line coach, and their O-line has been fantastic. Um, Bobby Hawk is 6-1. and one. Um, So you have your usual suspects, but Cody, I think, has been the most impressive. But will he be coach of the year? I don't know, because I'm not sure it no, always good. works out that way. But good. No, that's very true. And I thought the same thing, where Montana State, it's hard to pass them up. It's great as you mentioned, the what job they've done after a slow start. There's, I mean, even Coach Eck and the Vandals, they've been unreal at times. So a lot of names there. I do lean towards Coach Hawkins as as, as well. They went one and ten last year, one and seven in conference play. They're three and one in conference play right now. And Mark kind of mentioned they do have a little bit of a gauntlet down the stretch. They'll be tested, but it's worth mentioning their air raid offense is leads the conference in yards by over 300 yards total, second in the Big Sky in passing touchdowns. So just a Total rejuvenation for the program. Coach Hawkins has done an unreal job, and I've mentioned it a few times throughout the year, but just schematically, the guy's ahead of the game a little bit. He's just one of those guys who gets offense, former quarterback, son of a coach, and it shows often. But like kind of like Mark mentioned, we'll see this week for Sac State. That's going to be a real test. If they can compete with Sac State, I think that'll prove a lot about how far they've come. And one thing worth mentioning, just a shout-out, the SCS Media Top 25, I was shocked to see Idaho State no votes, but Eastern Washington and Weber State still got votes. So that one was – I had to just give it a shout-out on the show. I think Idaho State's playing themselves into the top 25 combo, at least. Maybe they're not there, but I think they deserve a nod over Weber and probably even Eastern Washington. But, no, good good stuff, guys. I did want to ask – this is kind of a fun one, just something different. Talk about a little bit of Big Sky products who moved on to the NFL and just kind of give your guys top five Big Sky players in the league last – uh, last week, I saw Rashid Shahid have a pretty solid game for New Orleans Saints. That kind of inspired this, got me thinking. So, Mark, if you want to kick it off, or it doesn't have to be in order, but if you just want to throw out a few players out there currently making waves in the NFL. And I did mention, uh, other than Cooper Cup for the sake, I think Cooper <laughs> Cup would be an easy choice for all of our lists, no doubt, probably the top spot. But if you want to kick it off, Mark, and we'll get to Brit. Yeah, a few of the ones I kind of threw together, a couple from Eastern, Kendrick Bourne, and Samson, Ebicom, um, Troy Anderson, obviously the Falcons, Caden Ellis of Idaho with the Falcons, Daniel Whalen, the punter for the Packers, were the five that I, I kind of circled off the list that I saw people that were in the in the league. You know, I, mm -hmm. I kind of, I watched, you know, I'm a 49er fan, so I was happy when we got, we had Kendrick Bourne. He did a good job down there, but he, he was kind of like the third receiver, and I don't know that he, you know, he wanted to go somewhere else where he could be a little, you know, showcased a little bit more. And that's not, he's not with us anymore. And then we had Ebicom for a year after he had a great year with the Rams. And he, of course, didn't have that kind of year with us. So it was kind of, that was kind of, you know, kind of too bad. But uh, so Anderson and, and Kate Nellis with the, they're both with the Falcons now. I was, I was wondering if they maybe have a little, a little, little bet going on tonight on uh, Saturday's Montana State Idaho game. So you, yeah, you you know they probably do. That's big sky rivals right there coming into a big week. No, that's that's a fun one right there, and just kind of an interesting list. A lot of big sky products making their names in the league right now, and great level of play right now in the conference. So more to come in the next few years. But Fritz, how about you? Any names jump out at you? I know it's kind of going to be repetitive, but worth just discussing and having fun with it. Well, I kind of had to cheat, but I, I guess I'd have to go um, 
you know, after Cooper Cup. I'd probably have to go with Alex Singleton, who's um, uh, playing for the Broncos, making a few tackles for the Broncos. Missed a couple the other night, but they still won. Um, he's from the Bobcats. I think uh, Lance McCutcheon is back on on the reserve. I was kind of cheating, and there's a lot of guys on on um, not reserve, but um, the practice squad. One guy that shows up in the practice squad is our old friend from Eastern Taiwan Jones with the Giants. I see, which I love that guy. Man, he was fast. Probably still is fast. Um, so I guess after Alex. I would probably have to go with Samari Turi, who's uh, still on the depth chart for the Packers. Um, Dylan Cook is um, on the 53-man for the Steelers. He's from the Grizz. Um, so the last two are Grizz. And then uh, Elijah Dodson, I don't think he's done much, but he's with the Chargers. He's uh, he was with Sac State, and then he transferred out his senior year. Um, and then again, again, it gets kind of tough for me. I just... Uh, <laughs> I'm just not sure where I can go from there because a lot of most of these guys are practice squad guys. I guess I guess I can go with Rashid since he got some uh, mm. some reps, as they say, with this with the Saints. Um, Weaver State Flash, who was a great kick returner, and uh, Big Sky has plenty of those. Seems like every year, and he's uh, one of the best they've ever had. So I'll stop there. Yeah, and, and shout out another record-setting return man, Malik Flowers. I believe he caught on with the Raiders practice squad as well, so he's trying to hang his hat there. Um, my well, list, I, I kind of, oh, sorry, what was that? Well, I was going to say, I should mention uh, Mapu because he starts for the for the Patriots at linebacker. So mm -hmm. Sacramento State guy who, shocking, he shocked me when he was named defensive player of the year in the big sky last year. But I guess we know why, because he started for the Patriots this year. Right. So, there, mm -hmm. there you go. The proof is in the pudding, as they say. <laughs> um, I got to go uh, Shahid as well. Kind of, he kind of taught my list right now. Maybe not the most complete resume, but I was watching Thursday night football. Like I said, I kind of inspired this at Kerb Herb Street. Herb Street's going, he might be one of the fastest players in the league. And I'm thinking, man, there's some real talent coming out of the big sky. Like Fritz mentioned, he was a legendary return man for Weaver State. A lot of great return man. But he's making his presence fell on offense a little more. Big time potential still unlocking the tools. Al Singleton, of course, a name to mention last year. Had that game with 19 solo tackles. Tied for the second most in a single game in NFL history. So that's making some noise right there. Like Mark mentioned Kendrick Bourne's on my list as well, a guy who kind of having a breakout year for the Patriots all of a sudden. He's had some solid seasons, but all of a sudden he's one of the top guys for Mac Jones. Kind of a dismal offense, don't get me wrong, but he's on pace for career highs across the board. Another wide receiver out of Eastern Washington, and you do got to love a Taiwan Jones shout-out. I can always think of watching Colin Cowherd. He always had to give an Eastern Washington Taiwan Jones shout-out. So, no, very familiar with his game. Um, another guy popped up for me who – I didn't know he went to Weber State until I was watching the primetime matchup a couple weeks ago, but Teron Johnson of the Buffalo Bills, tackling machine six season in the NFL. And if you watch that Bills-Giants primetime matchup, he broke up the controversial holding call at the end of the game against Darren Waller, bodied him up one-on-one. -on -one. Could have been a hold, but got away with it. And just another guy who's representing the conference well. And last up, Mark mentioned him. I got to go Caden Ellis as well. Big Sky product, been a tackling machine. 70. He's on pace for over 100 tackles this year. Last year, he had seven sacks and 78 tackles. Just heck of a player. Honorable mention. We all kind of mentioned him a little, but Troy Anderson, I think he is dealing with some injuries or he probably cracks the list, but based off potential and talent alone, definitely a name to watch moving forward. And when he's healthy, 
just a playmaker around the football. So, hey, and shout out Cooper Cup, who's probably the top dog in the league right now, but that would have been a little bit too easy for all of us. He's back healthy making plays, so I love that. But let's move into some predictions for this week, kind of our game of the week, you could say. Number two, Montana State at number eight, Idaho. 1 p.m. kickoff, big game at the Kippy Dome. Mark, your thoughts on this one to start it out? Yeah, well, I mean, Idaho uh, coming off a bye, and that was a good time for them because they got – they were kind of dinged up, and so that they'll get them healed up. And I think now they kind of got the nerves and of playing a big game out of their system. And I think they'll probably they'll play a lot better from the start this week against Montana State. I mean, you know, I watched Montana State last year or last week. They're really good. You know, they got those two quarterbacks, got a good defense. And they're they're good at everywhere. I think Idaho's going to move the ball on them a little bit, and we'll we'll see. Maybe we'll see who can stop who. Yeah, I'm expecting some fireworks in that one for sure. How about you, Fritz? Yeah, I think I would probably pick the Cats, even though uh, Idaho State's, uh, as uh, Coach Eck just said this week in his press conference, hopefully they got the big game jitters out of the way. That seemed to, they, they loved having the big crowd, but it seemed to affect them more than the Grizzlies, at least in the first half. You know, um, I think you'll see more up-tempo from Idaho because it worked so well against the uh, the Grizz. Um, and, uh, but I still have to, think the Bobcats will find a way. Yeah, I'm leaning towards the Cats in this one as well. I think my biggest thing for the Vandals is how do they start? They started slow versus the Grizz. Grizzly kind of had a little bit of a cushion and then got comfortable. I'd, you can't do that against the Bobcats in that rushing attack. You do not want to fall behind and let Milan Chambers burn clock rushing the ball. I think we expect, or excuse me, I expect Idaho to come out really firing right off the bat making some plays, go up-tempo like one of you guys mentioned. So I'm expecting them to really go out there and try to make it a shootout because you don't want to try to trade stops with the Bobcats because it's just not going to happen. So I think the Vandals are really going to be motivated coming out of the bye week, tough loss, like you guys said, kind of getting rid of those big game jitters. And it it was kind of an electric crowd at the Kippy Dome night game, late night matchup. There was just a lot going on in that one. ESPN2 feels like this game they should be able to lock and handle business a little more. I think this game's going to be really close late. I think it's going to come down to who can make a couple more stops. I do give the Bobcats defense a slight edge, but that being said, I don't think they've played against a passing attack quite like the Vandals this year. Even South Dakota State, they got a lot of talent, but those weapons are real on the outside. It's in a dome. They're going to be able to throw the football, so I'm excited to see what Idaho brings to the table. Leaning towards the Cats, but this one's a big game as far as two. Winner of this should have kind of an inside track at a Big Sky Championship. That being said, if the Grizz pull off a brawl, the wild upset, then everything's kind of up in the air and things get crazy. So it could happen too, but no, I'm really looking forward to this one and kind of wishing it was another ESPN2 broadcast. But any other uh, games on the horizon this week? Just kind of want to give your guys final thoughts. We got Idaho State at Sac State, Eastern Washington at Portland State, Northern Colorado at Montana, and UC Davis at Northern Arizona. Mark, any uh, thoughts on those games? Can Idaho State make it interesting at Sac State, stuff like that? Yeah, that's the thing. After Montana State, Idaho kind of drops off. I mean, it, it, one thing about Idaho State, we'll see. You know, can they can they do it again for a second week against a, a better team at Sac State, um, Eastern Washington, Portland State? They Eastern is generally you know own Portland State, um, even though Portland State's out having a pretty good year here, but Eastern still got something to play for. Um, Northern Colorado at Montana. Uh, Let's see, UC Davis at NAU. Yeah, so anyway, I was going to ask you guys, you were talking about ESPN. 
um, night games in the big sky. What, what do you think a Brawl of the Wild game would be like on ESPN2 at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Time? Oh, man, I was, that would be electric. I'll let Fritz start out with that one, the go-to Grizz guy, but definitely be electric. Well, since, uh, Mark, since we're both print guys, I don't want to see that. I want to. I like the noon start. Give me time to write about it. <laughs> Maybe uh, have an adult beverage afterwards. Um, I was going to go to that Mos- that game in Moscow, that Grizz game in Moscow, and then I just couldn't justify it because it started so late and was going to end so late. And, uh, you know, it was bad enough that the Grizz played Eastern at a, I believe it was a six o'clock kickoff a couple years ago. And then Eastern threw the ball 80 times. Um, <laughs> the third quarter took over an hour and a half to play just the third quarter. So me being the football purist, meaning I'm a print journalist still, I'd rather have a day game. Yeah. I was going to say from the write it up standpoint, covering it, I hear that from the fan perspective or thinking of how Washington Grizzly stadium would be at night, prime time. That's a televised game. That stadium would be going absolutely nuts. I'm sure those fans would go absolutely buck wild. So that would be a fun environment for sure. But yeah, it would be a lot of chaos as well. So kind of a crazy matchup. No, I like that as well. And just this, it's going to be a fun weekend this weekend. I'm excited to see how Idaho State kind of up a level in competition. I think their offense can hang with anybody, but Sac State give them the edge just based off their history and type of talent they have on that team. But all of a sudden, that's a game earlier in the year we would have never even been talking about. It's kind of an interesting one. And just really looking forward to another fun weekend of Big Sky action. If there's anything else you guys want to throw out there, if not, great stuff as always. I'm good to go. Oh, yeah. No, thank you for it. Thank you, Mark. Always appreciate you guys. That'll do it for this week's Big Sky Now media panel. Thanks to everyone for checking out the show. And thank you again to you guys for taking the time to jump on here and talk some Big Sky.